You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, friends. We have a very wild episode today. It's so cool. Really exploring some different ideas, philosophies, and dreams today because dreams are weird and they can tell us a whole lot about who we are in our subconscious. So if you're new to Yoga Magic, thanks for being here. My name is Ashley Sondergaard. If you've been around for a while, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. On this show, we chat all things self-care and self-discovery. And this episode really falls into that deeper self-study category, really tapping into something that is often hard to access, our subconscious, our higher selves. Today's guest, Carrie Honey, is a dream analyst and an expert on the Eastern and Western symbolism behind our myths and oracles. In this episode, we talk about how dreams show up in our everyday life as synchronicities, how we, when we see something you know, out in the real world, we realize, oh yeah, that's that was attached to my dream, and now I understand a little bit more about what that was. We talk about what exactly a dream is, you know, how can we work with our dreams and consciously remember them more often. We talk about why you shouldn't try to analyze your dream right away and you know how you can use them again in, in your day-to-day life. We talk about the three parts of a dream and then again, why we might have similar dreams over and over what that's trying to tell us. Something that really struck me in this conversation is that Carrie mentions that everything that happens in our dreams is actually us. The landscape, the people, everything is us. I learned so much about dreams and Carrie gives several practices that you can use to start working with them right away. So if you enjoy this episode, you learn something new, shoot me a DM, share it on Instagram. We're over at Yoga Magic Podcast and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. I'm at home with a sweet baby nugget right now and I love hearing from all of you. So let me know if you enjoyed this. If you want to be the first to hear about some of the fun events that we have on the horizon this fall, make sure to hop on the Yoga Magic email list. There is a link in the show notes to get the free Cosmic Self-Care mini course, and you'll sign up for our email list when you sign up for that. And then finally, friends, thank you so much for being here. I really love bringing you this content, and I hope that you find it helpful. Keep coming back for more. Let's get to this conversation with dream analyst Carrie Honey. All right, welcome, Carrie. I'm so excited to talk about dreams today. It's like the most Piscean dreamy Monday morning. And I think this is so perfect that we're talking about this. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Excited. I'd love to know just a little about your upbringing, your education, any, you know, the brief life story, how you got to what you do today. Okay. Well, um, pretty much, you know, I have a spiritual outlet that's very grounded in the natural world. So nature really inspires a lot of what I do. And I think it came really, I had an early life with a mom 
who, whether plants, animals, or us, we all got fed with the same amount, an equal amount of love. Um, so even an event as simple as the annual return of her daffodils was like a celebration. So I just said this, <laughs> you know, I had an appreciation of the equality of all living things. And um, I was also a poet and I heard music that I was composing at a very early age. So I wasn't kind of seeing the world the way everyone else was. <laughs> and literally I had like tons and tons of books and, um, and because I was so infused with inspiration, I was studying at a very early age, you know, comparative mythology, comparative religion, because I was trying to understand where this stuff was coming from, you know? Um, and I also studied physics because I was like trying to understand a world without boundaries. And for example, Einstein taught us that nature doesn't distinguish between mass and energy. That's the whole E equals MC right, squared. Right. It sees them as the same thing. And that energetic thing is a really important part of what I do. So this energetic expression um, is I've come to see at the foundation of what we actually manifest as experiences. And it's something that is being, you know, revealed in our dreams. So I think because I was a poet, I understood the metaphorical or symbolic language of dreams. You know how poems don't really speak literally. They conjure more, more emotion out of like right. imagery and stuff like that. Well, that's kind of how dream, dreams right. are like getting an emotional response in us. Um, and they offered, you know, clever clues about how we're working through difficulty. So, you know, when I graduated, I studied psychology and many people will choose between Freud and Jung, you know, uh, Sigmund Freud and Carl right. Jung, mm -hmm. but, but I kind of found re relevance in both of them because, you know, what I really appreciate about, appreciate about Freud is obviously he was the first one to recognize dreaming is how we explore our own unconscious, you know, self or what we have repressed in the unconscious. But he also used the word condensation as a way of describing the clever way each mind, each of each of us while we dream, creates these hybrid symbols to capture very complex ideas. Um, so first and foremost, this like shows that every one of us is extremely creative, especially when we're dreaming, obviously, right? Right. <clears throat> so in the 90s. I was developing art programs that I used with kids in East LA that were at risk of joining gangs. And I kind of was using art as a way for them to understand, you know, how they create their reality, how to tap their vision rather than fall prey to peer pressure. So, um, so when I refer to what I call our energetic existence, which is a little bit different than our physical existence, I'm also describing the power of our emotions and reactions, the imagination how we can give situations extra charge, you know, that sometimes travel, trample over everything, you know, that's unfolding innocently in front of us, right? That's what mm -hmm. I call projection. Um, and so like Einstein, I, he always said, you know, the imagination is more important than knowledge. And I, and I think we, and that's why I did so much work with art or in my early career is I think, um, I mean, we tend to think that dreams are just an exercise of imagination and fantasy, nonsense, whatever, but I've been interpreting dreams for people all over the world over decades. And it's shown me that when we unpack the dream, we can see how the psyche is constructing reality. And the things that take place in dreams seem to describe a change in awareness that comes weeks later. I think of the imagination as kind of a gateway. And that's kind of what dreaming, it's like this gateway where we transcend our paradigm and its limitations. Um, because, you know, dreams are helping us work through self-limiting ideas, you know, and 
And, and then by day, you know, obviously, why do we have an imagination if not, you know, to transcend our routine ideas or whatever? So then Carl Jung, which a lot of the information on my site is a little bit more Jungian, um, he expanded on Freud's idea. And while I was doing dream work again, like I could work in the morning with someone in Indonesia, in the afternoon, Belgium and Germany and, you know, wherever, like people from all over the world are having very similar dreams. But I was also able to validate his ideas about the collective unconscious because people would have um, dreams about mythical symbols that they don't even know about, you know, like uh, the, the Anubis or, you know, some, some of these, it's like an archetype reservoir. And so um, I created Cafe Soul, which is my website, as a place where people can explore dream symbols, but also the Eastern and Western archetypes that became tarot, astrology, and the I Ching. In fact, I have a book I released last December that's about Babylonian astrology because the roots of even what we think of as Western astrology trace back to an even earlier period. So, so synchronicity shows us that the psyche wants to understand itself. Dreaming shows us how the psyche wants to understand itself. And synchronicity is like joins the inner promptings, uh, something you may dream about or flash of inspiration to kind of outer experience. And so if we approach oracles with that same openness and innocence as what's happening when we're dreaming, you know, we get similar direction. In mm -hmm. fact, if I'm doing dream work with somebody, uh, they'll send a dream and an oracle reading and they say the exact same thing. I see this over and over. So, you know, people may wonder, well, what do you have all these oracles for if you're talking so much about dreams? And because most people don't remember their dreams, and we can talk about that if you like, but, mm -hmm. you know, I find that the oracles can be just as re revealing, you know, and, and to take it one step further, whatever it is that we're, that the psyche is trying to learn about itself is happening on the path too. If we can overcome our projections and our assumptions and judgments, you know, we'll start to see that we're capable of more, that life is stripping away what's blocking our authenticity. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that describes kind of how I- No, how it's, I, it's right. great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it gives like a perfect sort of foundation for all, you know, all the directions that we can take this, you know, something that's sticking out is you, you're talking oracles and like, I love to use astrology. A lot of people will use oracle decks or, you know, all these different tools, but you said it that ultimately- they give us the same answer essentially like what we, you start to see all these synchronicities exactly and once it's almost like once it clicks on right of like oh this is all interconnected it's it's this ocean of information that we get to start diving in and unpacking and and dreams are one that i think are are pretty tough i get lots of questions for mm -hmm. the show and in astrology like how to work with dreams so can we back up to you know just you know, you kind of, you describe dreams as that, that subconscious and that understanding what, like what is happening in our dreams? Maybe you might have to just reiterate it again. Can you like, okay. in your opinion, what is a dream? Okay. So, you know, the unconscious, you know, the stuff that's not available to us by day, like really comes from like childhood, maybe, you know, if you think like life is pulling us into a sort of conformity, if mm -hmm. we're, we're being encouraged to be like everyone else, rather conditioning than being, and yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there's aspects that we started repressing. And as we grow, it becomes, you know, parts of who we really are that we're just not accessing. And 
dreaming is like the opposite because what, when we, you know, like the mind, I, I kind of break it up between the right and left brain as, as just for people to, you know, understand it. The left brain is about language and logic and concepts. And, you know, we, rather than see something for what it really is, we've seen it before. So we just imagine that's what it is or the way we develop language and language becomes our consciousness. And the right brain is more the imagination, the mm-hmm. flow into like, you know, symbolic representations. So you can think of dreaming as being more in the right brain. And so it's like a digestive organ where we're using the fodder of everyday experience. Cause some people will go, Oh, you know, I, of course I dreamt that. That's what I was thinking about during the day. But mm-hmm. that high, that hybridization I told, talked about with Freud and condensation, it's, you know, that's why they're so weird is it will take some of the fodder, but it will give it, you know, like one, one example might be you, you dream of an internet symbol, right? You know, that little thing mm-hmm. that shows you whether you're online, the shape of it, we see it on our phone, we see it on our laptop you know, we may dream of that symbol and then wake up and think, oh, maybe my, maybe it's something about my computer when it's really, you know, a symbol about connection, about, okay. standing, you know, whether we're really, you know, so, so the, the mind is using everyday symbols, but it's also, you know, pairing it into a, a story about where we need to, where we need to go. Now we're in that right brain, really free flowing, you know, I call it like the free aspect of our energetic <laughs> exploration of who we really are. Mm-hmm. As we start to wake up and go back into that left brain logic, it doesn't want to remember. It was the side of the self that didn't want to know it when we were children and blocked it. And, and so that's why people have so much trouble. There's two things. One is the part of us that's repressing the information is the part of us that would look at our dream the next day and think of it as nonsense or not even remember it because right. it, it impeded our survival existence or whatever it was to the ability to be loved and petted and, you know, appreciated, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is that we tend to look at dreams as, as daily life, you know, like logically, and they're not, they're symbolic, they're metaphorical, they're, their symbol representation of, of something that we're exploring. I've, you know, like I said, like it, it's a very natural thing. We spend almost half of our lives doing it. You know, the way that the parts of ego and um, logic and even the body's paralyzed, you know, an mm-hmm, animal stream mm-hmm. too, like we're all designed for this. And we spend, like I said, almost half of our lives doing it. So we know that it has kind of a natural uh, purpose and, it's, you know, either we're assimilating or we're, it's, it's maybe how nature continues us in our evolution, even when the mind has completely blocked its ability to get past its own self-defeating ideas. What stage do we dream? Like, do you know what stage of our sleep? Is it in REM? I'm like most yeah, pretty, curious. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, people will say, well, I don't dream, you know? Yeah. Everybody yeah, dreams everybody every single does. night. <laughs> And REM is rapid eye movement. And at some point, and and we'll have like, gosh, I don't know, 30 dreams a night. We may only be remembering the ones closer to waking up. But Mm -hmm. for people who do remember their dreams and they send them to me when I'm doing, I do have one course that's really comprehensive. So I may look at like 10 dreams a week. And they're they're very repetitive. So it doesn't matter. They're repetitive. Yeah, they're repetitive. And so, and it's just in different formats or whatever. So when we're in REM, it's associated with dreaming. I mean, I'll be the first to say that nobody really understands what consciousness is, how the mind's constructed, where we go when we die, how we even got here, you know, what happens when we dream. It's all, 
you know, I mean, for me, I've been doing it for so long and I've been doing it with so many people from so many different cultures that, that I kind of like, I, I give it a, a credibility and interpret it my own way, mm-hmm. you know, and it's proven like to be, you know, like, like I said, like when I'm working with somebody doing dream work, I'll see how they're working through something and then synchronicity brings it onto their path. And it's kind of like a, an initiation, maybe two weeks later, that there's that opportunity to own that thing they're exploring or, or deny it, you know, and let mm-hmm. it continue to be the fodder of our dreams. Like anecdotally, I'm so I'm in my third trimester, I'm sleeping awfully. And what's so interesting about pregnancy is that the hormones will kind of put you, will basically like put you into REM a whole lot more than say deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So my dreams as many pregnant women experience are wild. <laughs> like there are just <laughs> tons of dreams right now. And I just think mm-hmm. about that, like how cool that mm-hmm. my, the brain is literally processing the change, you know, right. that I'm experiencing, but in its own unique way. I've never made that connection until you were just saying this now. That's really. Well, you know, you could, the thing is, is we are dreaming wild dreams all the time. We're just not remembering, remembering, but what I'm finding is that when we're going through very life-changing, you know, like I'm remembering my dreams recently a lot more because I'm making a big move, you know, and it's like, anytime we're going through it, we tend to remember our dreams. So, so yeah, certainly like bringing a new individual (laughs) into your, you know, life is going to give you that. And, and, you know, like, I, I just feel like um, we're dreaming crazy. In fact, I write a lot about why are dreams so bizarre? (laughs) Yeah. And And it's kind of like, like I, I look at it like the Trojan horse, you know, like there's, you know, the people of Troy are like the right rigid consciousness that doesn't want to know anything different other than the way I understand reality right now. And then you got the Greeks with their little horse and they're breaking through and the, and the craziness of the symbol is how, how it gets into consciousness, you know, it breaks through because if it would, if it would have been more literal, literal, it would have been rejected. But because it comes like in a crazy Trojan horse, you know, you're like, what is this? And then you let it in because you think about it the next day. Why did I dream of an apple that had, you know, a duck on its head? (laughs) So how can we remember our dreams more if we want to start consciously studying it? What are your tips? Well, number one is I find that people that start working with their dreams start remembering them more. So get so giving them credibility intentionally going to sleep and asking to remember your dream, Mm -hmm. Um, keeping something by your bed upon waking before you shift back into that left brain, you know, um, that you can write down the dream. But the most important aspect is not to analyze it in the morning. Because like when when I mentioned that internet symbol as like an example, if you wake up and start analyzing it, you go into that place where, oh, it's my computer. But if you're more in that right brain, it's like, what are all the things that a shape like a pie might represent? You know, you know what I mean? So, and, and you don't have to remember the whole dream because it's a lot of times just repeating or, and even if you just remember one symbol, just the one thing, um, and you write it down and then leave it and then go do whatever you got to do and then come back to it when you're in a more imaginative frame of mind or when you can go online and explore interpretations of it, different versions of it, you know? Um, And, and then, like I said, as, as, as the person is amazed because 
One thing that is definitely true is that the dreaming mind understands the dreamer better than they do. Who is that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like how, where do we get that guidance? What, what is encouraging us to transcend, you know, what we believe about ourselves? It's nature, you know, it's just part of evolution. But once that conscious mind maybe sees how, wow, I got this guru within me and I got this little piece of advice and that's exactly what I needed to transcend this very difficult situation. I, th- I think somehow it creates a shift and then subsequent dreams are remembered. Mm. So I, I've never, yeah, I've never thought about that to not analyze it. I have a Capricorn moon. So my Capricorn <laughs> moon is like, what does this mean? Like, how can I put this? How can I make like, money off of it? <laughs> literally like, can I make this successful in some way, but to just sit with it. And that's what I love too, about astrology. We talk about astrology a lot is like, say we'll do, you know, a predictive reading. And I'm like, you know, let's don't do anything with this information for a while. Just know that like this is the energy coming and then come back to it. Like, again, these all sort of interweave together. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really, that's really interesting. So I'd love to know if you think, you know, talking astrology a little bit, or if you've experienced certain um, people that are say more water heavy or have, you know, a lot of Pisces in their chart are more connected to their dreams, or if there's any tie in with astrology and dreams. Well, the way, you know, I, I'm also an astrologer. And, uh, so I see astrology as something we don't have to pay attention to every day. Everything's going to unfold the way it's going to unfold. But Mm -hmm. if, if somebody's really challenged, um, by, you know, what's going on, astrology is like, the best oracle, um, the best way. It's basically when we come into the universe, we tear a piece of the fabric of that moment of that, you know, again, archetypal, you know, expression of our entry here that becomes the path, the chart that tells us about our life path. And I, and you can see that even like our, our early situation um, why we chose the parents we did, even right. if it seems like it would be bad, but it was like so necessary to the person that we're trying to become as described by the chart. So so I just wanted to say that I really hold astrology uh, to be like a really um, great big picture insight into where we're going, you know, and how we're going to get there. And obviously everybody is more than their sun sign. They got moon and rising and mm-hmm. aspect, and even like a strong aspect between planets can can give, uh, you know, the elements, water, air, fire, um, a, you know, different, different prominence. So to think like Pisces would have a better connection to um, dreaming is to say that Pisces might have a much more fluid, creative, what I called the energetic um, way that we move through the world. Mm-hmm. They may be more connected to that. Therefore, they may remember their dreams. They may you know, they're dreaming the same amount, but may feel like they're more dreamy. And certainly somebody that would have a lot of water in their chart is going to definitely be more in that right brain um, into that flow, that conduit into uh, being a little bit more inspirationally driven, emotionally driven, you know, somehow the inspiration and emotion are kind of in the same energetic expression. So, yeah, I mean, every, you know, like maybe a Taurus is not going to remember their dreams as much, but there's completely, you know, they're the connoisseurs of life senses. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. Cooks and gardeners and flowers. and blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't say 
that one one particular group is dreaming more. They're all dreaming the same, but who's gonna who's gonna use that information more? And and it's funny too because I just did a podcast recently just about moon signs and the oh, types cool. of dreams. Okay. Yeah. So you know you can see too with with moon signs will sometimes like give like I'll, I'll describe the tapestry of a dream or the landscape. You know, there's like, you think of it as a mythical landscape. Sometimes it's like lots of icy structures it could be more air sign oriented mm-hmm. or it, our version of evolution or growth could be like going from being stuck in a bathroom where we're trying to come clean with ourselves to being in like a tree house. We're out in nature. That may be something more that an earth sign would be mm-hmm. dreaming about or, you know, mm-hmm. so the, so the, the landscape of the dream and the type of uh, things that, that appear can also tie to the astrological signs. So, okay. So someone, you know, we've, I've decided I am now going to pay attention a little bit to these dreams more and more. I'm going to jot down even just a symbol, not analyze it, let it sit for a little bit. So then does it, does like a synchronicity come up later on where it starts to make more sense or like what is sort of the evolution of that actual spiritual study of the dreams? Uh, Like, for example, I'm uh, making some moves, right? I'm moving from, you know, a big move from one country to another kind of thing. And, um, and I have a dog and my dog, you know, kind of, it's, you know, I had to like take her on the plane and, you know, it's just like all these things. And the other day that, that I, um, I was, I jumped something about the dog driving the car. <laughs> so, you know, the dog can rep, you know, everything in a dream is you. So even though it seems like it's about my dog, it's really about what I'm doing that might be behaving like how I envision, envision my dog. Dogs can represent unconditional love. Like they appear a lot when we're going through stages of relationships, but then later, like something might happen and it's like too fast, too fast. Or you, you hear yourself saying something mm-hmm. and it's kind of like everything that the dream was saying you know, something that encouraged some, you know, expression that becomes the synchronicity of, of what it is. Like you're going too fast, slow down. I worked with a client who had um, some issues related to whether they were Jewish or Christian, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like, as they went through all, all the work, it was, a, there was a, they were basically Jewish, but brought up as a Christian, you know? So it was a kind of interesting journey through the dream work to un- unravel all of that. Right. But then like there would be an event where something would happen to call them out to declare kind of in, in a sense, whether they were Jewish or Christian or so it just, it, it does seem like we're dreaming of like the possibilities of what we might become. We're dreaming of that authentic person that we were and should be, but we buried that, you know, we're dreaming of like how life is going to unmask us anyway on the path. We are not remembering our dreams, but the events are going to keep poking at that untruth, the, the side that's lying to itself or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the synchronicity. And so, yeah, if you like, if you write down one symbol from your dream, chances are you'll see it on your path and it will yeah. remind you to go back and look at it. So that's why I'm saying, like, don't just take the symbol at face value, really mm-hmm. like explore it. And that's where, you know, look, look, at, like I have a dream dictionary on my website, you know, so there's all there's other and it doesn't mean that my answer is the only answer. You know, there could be, you know, certainly there's sites out there that will tell you the old school Zohar you know, oh, if you dream of a horse, it means you're going to get, 
you know, two husbands, but you're going to divorce one or, you know, which I, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, dreams can be prophetic for sure. Totally. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I write a lot about the three parts of a dream and in the third part, you know, we can talk about that if you want, but you know, they're, they are prophetic, but they're not prophetic in that simple, you know, Zohar fashion. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Let's, I'd be curious, the three parts, how does that break out? Okay. So when people are working with their dreams, they'll notice that they'll be dreaming and whatever it is that's happening, all of a sudden the landscape morphs. So they have the sense that they're in the same dream, but the landscape has changed. That's how you know you're going into the different parts of a dream. And then it will morph again. And so I have seen and write about, uh, you know, this, the three parts. And what I see is that in the first part, it will describe the conflict. So whatever the symbolism and the story of that part of the dream is saying what you're currently facing and why it's a challenge and you know why it's difficult. As it morphs into the second part of the dream, a lot of times you'll see imagery from childhood or a house, you know, from that you knew as a child or a playground or and or things that will start to describe, well, how did that get created? Now, what is the at the root of why you're facing that challenge? Then it morphs again. And that third portion is my favorite because it's the part where it's the weirdest, where you get all those ridiculous, you know, people will be telling me their dreams and then they'll go, yeah, but okay, well, this part was stupid because of the, and I'm like, no, 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 that's, <laughs> that's the aha. That's yeah. the aha. That's the clue. So the third part is given really rich clues as to how to proceed. Like, you know, in, if you unpack that symbol, the hybrid nature of it, you'll get the answers to why you got stuck and how to get past it. But what I've also seen in that third portion is it can have, like it can say something, you know, blah, blah, in three weeks. And sure enough, in three weeks, something comes on our path and we have that opportunity to decide based on what we got from the dream or whatever and make the change or, you know, or it can give us like, like I find a lot of prophecy when people say they've had dreams that came true. Yeah. They're probably remembering that third portion. And Mm -hmm. there's a, I don't know why it ties back to, you know, what's unfolding, but so those, that's kind of the three parts of a dream. Conflict, mm-hmm. conflict in the first part, cause in the second, and resolution in the third. Okay. So I have a lot of repeated dreams, mostly, I mean, as many people I'm sure do. When I remember a dream, I I remember that it usually has something to do with high school. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I'm 35 years old. Like I have no connection to high school at this point, but I'm like, what is, I've always been so confused about what that why I always dream about that stage of life or like those people in that particular mm-hmm. life. Is that something like it's those repeated sort of trends? Is that normal? And like that's yeah. information. Okay. Yeah. So, so on one level, like I mentioned that there's a lot of repetitiveness, repetitiveness that I see when I'm doing comprehensive dream work with people that they they're having like a repetitive message right. and they get, you know, then there's the people that have the dreams that, that border on nightmare. And yeah, they don't, yeah. you know, they want to break through. Like, why do I keep having this dream of the stalker? That's a famous one. Like somebody trying to break into the house or, Ugh. you know, where it's really a side of you, a shadow, something that was misunderstood as a child and wants to come in and sleep in its own bed. But, you know, so that repetitive, in fact, I, I remember there was a lady 
one time who learned who knew I could do this. And so she told me at a party about her stalker dream. And I described exactly her childhood. Oh, you must've been a caregiver to a caregiver, a lot of resentment. You were labeled a black sheep. Oh my God. How do you know that? I'm like, cause I've seen this dream in highly successful and nurturing women that, you know, continue to have the stalker dream. But the minute that they recognize that the dream stops, you know, because dream, dreams are trying to get our attention. Like I said, right. there's, a, there's a side of the psyche who, wa- who wants to be whole, authentic, uh, okay, you know, it doesn't want to carry baggage. It wants to break free. It wants to like, you know, transcend the, the ways that we press it down and, and, and get rid of it. So it's going to keep trying until we, until it gets our attention. And, and again, uh, the most important takeaway when I'm teaching people about dreams is dreams, everything in the dream is us. And yeah. the, meaning the landscape is describing how we're feeling. If it's icy, we're a little bit cold. If it's like, you know, so the landscape's describing us, the lighting, a lot of times I'll see if it's hap- if a dream's happening in the dark, well, I know I'm dealing with something that's really, really deep in the unconscious, you know, mm-hmm. subconscious, whatever. Okay. If that's happening during the day, it's closer to conscious awareness. If people describe something's on the right or the left, I see the right side as kind of like conformity, what they've done, a pattern. The left is sort of the un. The, the path less traveled, you know, like the, the new way. So every single piece has some sort of relevance um, to helping us understand ourselves when, when we unpack it. Um, so, so I think like when even other people, which always seems to confuse people, when other people appear in our dreams, we're not really dreaming about them. Oh, you know what? I need to call them or they're important for some reason. Yeah. They're, they're representing and I say, think of the adjective you'd use to describe that person, you know, like, oh, well, they're very, um, they have a real sense of humor and they let things go. Well, that's relevant for you right now. Maybe you're getting too intense. Maybe you need to, you know, laugh more. Maybe, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's something about that person. So anyway, back to your dream about school. There's a, you know, I see this a lot where we use school is like a representation of, of the learning experience. Um, like we will dream of having to take a test and we don't have our pencil or, you know, like, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so these, you know, just symbolically, it's just representing some kind of like lack of confidence that we're mm. trying to, trying to work through or whatever. And so, um, to dream, you know, some people dream of university, some people dream of high school. If it's repetitive, then it's telling me that, okay, there might've been something adopted during that period that wasn't quite accurate in terms of who you really are. It could be that you dream of school because you're going through such an intense life change, having a child. So you have to relearn something or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's different reasons and it's not going to be one size fits all kind of interpretation, but the fact that it's repetitive does mean that there's something that you're not quite uh, learning. High school can be a time where, People, you know, people, it, it can really tax our emotions. Mm-hmm. Like there's, we go through puberty in life school, uh, life school, <laughs> we go mm-hmm. through puberty in <laughs> high school <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, and so there's kind of, there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, if we were ever going to feel the pressure of being insecure, it happens in high school, you know, like, so mm-hmm. I, there may be something going on in your life where just think of it as a play as, and I always like think of it kind of 
in an amusing way, you know, like the, whatever it is that's going on in that dream, let it play back to you. And why is it poking fun at you? What, it, what is it trying to get you to let go of? What needs to be released from that period of your life so that you can be more holistically who you are now? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super helpful. Yeah. yeah. So you have that, and then go back to the details and look for the weirdness. That's where the treasure is. The okay. weirdest part of the dream, you know, is where the, that's where you see a lot of the clues. I mean, I feel like anyone can do this, right? All the listeners yeah. can, can take these tools and really start diving in. If someone wants to reach out to you and and get some interpretations, like what does your work look like? Is it courses? Like, do you do one-on-one readings? On my website, I have a shop section and in there it lists the different personal coaching that I do. Mm -hmm. So um, like I said, I have the comprehensive dream work. I have the one that's most popular is people, um, they can do three sessions or buy one for $60 or whatever. And, and that's where I, they can do, we can do a dream, one dream a week. We can do an Oracle reading. It's kind of like really, really um, tailored to the needs of the individual. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's spiritual, sometimes it's business, sometimes it's creative. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, life, uh, big life changing, you know, sort of decisions. And then of course, astrology, which is my favorite. Mm -hmm. I do like, you know, a live life path and, you know, transit, uh, for the next, for the next six months, you know, year kind of thing. I'll do a one hour session with somebody live, um, you know, to look at their chart and help them understand their childhood, what, where it is they're supposed to be going, what their life should look like and how to get there and how Mm -hmm. the transits are, you know, helping get, helping them get there. Do you like to use the lunar nodes? Is that kind of like what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I use, yeah, I use, um, kind of start with Pluto when, mm-hmm. I, when I'm looking at a life path, you know, obviously the signs and the houses and the tra- and the aspects, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then I use the nodes to get a sense of true North for the North node, right. like where they're supposed to be in the South node, what they fall back on, what, you know, comes easy and maybe they need to like overcome, you know, to get to the North node. Um, I look at, you know, each planet has an energetic description. Like, I don't know, because it sounds like you're an astrologer too, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I'm reading a chart, it is like um, a story, like it's Mm -hmm. each symbol and each aspect and each, everything is like a letter that starts to tell, like it will just start talking to me when I look at a chart, you know? So I don't know, I don't know how much of it is like in my left brain, right brain, but it's totally inspired, you know, like what Mm -hmm. the way that it will like, really give a huge amount of information. Working with people in these sort of left brain ways, right. In these like very Mm -hmm. creative ways, it's like, you're giving a lot. And I mean, I think it can be really taxing and it's such amazing work, but it's energetically a lot on this Mm -hmm. show. We talk a lot about practices, self-care. What do you do to keep yourself fresh, to keep yourself committed to doing this work? Like you said, like one podcast a week, like that's amazing. Um, (laughs) What are your practices? Well, um, yeah, I think when you said left brain, I think you meant right brain, or at least that's the way I understand it. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Okay. I feel like I'm way. Yeah. And in fact, in my astrology chart, I have a grand water trine, um, you know, with Venus, Jupiter and Venus is on my nadir. And I see the nadir oh. as the real like intense soul point, right? Yeah. And then yeah, so 
So I definitely have like what you were describing earlier, associating with Pisces, right? Grandwater mm-hmm. trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and what's funny is in Chinese astrology, I'm a water tiger. You know, so oh, cool. I have, I, yeah, and so that's why I always say this: every oracle is going to say the same stuff. Western astrology gives you so much information, but you can find it in in Chinese astrology too, because the tiger is my Aries rising and Aries moon. I'm an Aries <laughs> rising too. I love that. Oh, good. I'm like a natural then, chart. Yeah, and then I'm, obviously I'm a Gemini. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I like it. Love to talk. That's great. I love Gemini's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, so now I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Oh, as far as like your self-care practices, like oh, how do okay, you stay yeah. energetically well? Yeah. Well, okay. So I am also very much like, I like Taoism because mm-hmm. it's so rooted in nature. And obviously we talked about the I Ching and I, I've written a book that's a translation of the I Ching or the Tao Te Ching and and what I, you know, it's really a philosophy of removing boundaries. You know, I, I, I really keep my whole energetic um, interaction. I keep it as pure as possible. Not to say that I don't have the same crazy, you know, like you get lost in your own madness or you know, projections <laughs> right. or whatever. But that's that stuff, you know, to me, that cleansing of, of any sort of like attachment, it allows me to be super compassionate you know, to understand somebody else's pain, you know, to not own somebody's condition or not project mine, try to leave people in a better space. So I do a lot of work on perception, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, just keeping at the threshold of awareness without, without embroiling. I love that word because mm. when you embroil is when you start charging, you know, you give charge to things that shouldn't be as you know, you start reading into it, projecting your own stuff and all that. Like, I guess, you know, just to answer your question, I do a lot of philosophical cleansing (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And obviously exercise and diet and which, you know, but mostly just uh, mental, mental exercises. I think like to the kind of like the action you're talking action, but ultimately it's like, we can't control really a whole lot. We can do what we can do in this life and sort of trust what's going to play out. It's, I mean, Jupiter moves into Aries tomorrow. And I feel like that's such a, that's like such a good segue to like, okay, we can take action, but still ultimately like it's kind of all connected to the the ultimate plan somewhere. Right. In there. right. And, and I really believe that. And I see it daily, like the more that we're innocent, and mm-hmm. in, in our outlook without judging. And we just don't know, like things unfold. Like I've had people ask me about, you know, the COVID or well, the wars or, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we just, we can't know like whether this is going to lead to better energy use or, you know, like why, you know, I, I definitely, I, I released a video not long ago called how viruses, you know, led to our evolution. Cause there's a lot of things that we are capable of, like even the placenta, is a, had a viral origin and you know mm-hmm. vi- the viruses is not necessarily our enemy there's there's something relevant right. you know so i just feel like you know if you're um if you're innocent of judgments or trying to classify everything because in time something that we see that's bad reveals that it's good or it was necessary mm-hmm. like natural disasters and you know like nightmares like nightmares are the best thing because they're showing that there's a quaking going on in the psyche so it doesn't Mm. it does no you know it does no good to like try to say oh this is definitively bad and this is definitively right and this 
you know, it's better to just, like you said, let let it's going to unfold as it's going to unfold. And it's a, the journey's a lot easier when you follow. Like the, the saying from Taoism is be the guest, not the host. I, I so appreciate this, Carrie. This is such an interesting conversation. And, and again, not really what I've thought of in, in dream space. And I feel like we have a lot of tangible things that we can start to do to kind of, to get more connected to dreams and to use this. Um, You mentioned um, before we started recording that you have an awesome deal for listeners. If they want to get connected with you, can you talk about that? Yeah. If, um, if a listener from your show mentions your show and they contact me, um, normally that astrological reading, uh, life path reading with transits is usually $135, but I'll offer it for a hundred. It's a one hour, you know, pretty intense reading that I think uh, they'd enjoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Thank you for offering that up. And then how can listeners get connected with you and find you on all of the, the internets? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a website, Cafe A Soul. So C-A-F-E and then A-U-S-O-U-L, Cafe A Soul. Um, there's a contact button. There's a shop section. They can go to the watch section to look at the different videos that are all pretty much nature inspiration. Um, how na- what nature can teach us about the human journey and classes, everything that they, if the, there's a dr- dream dictionary, they can type their dream into a little cloud and it will like find the symbols for them. It'll give them, you know, synonyms that they might not have thought to look up on their own. Oh, so interesting. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate your time. Well, it was so and- nice to meet you and I appreciate you having me on your show. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. If you enjoy this episode, share it on Instagram or send it to a friend. Make sure you're following us at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.